Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. This is our post-game podcast. The Browns 28-3 losers to the Baltimore Ravens here at Cleveland Browns Stadium. It is about 8.40 here on Sunday, a few hours after the Browns lost this game. They're now 1-2 in the division, 2-2 overall. Uh, They trail the Ravens now in the AFC North as well. So, uh, let's get into it this the way we normally do. We'll each bring up kind of one big thing from the game. We'll offer some final thoughts after um, a lot to get into here, Mary Kay. What's, what do you want to lead us off with? Well, surprise, surprise. I will lead off with the fact that Deshaun Watson did not play in this game. When I drove to the stadium today, I don't know how everybody else felt, but when I drove to the stadium, uh, I thought that Deshaun Watson was going to play in this game. And that is because in addition to Deshaun telling me at his locker on Friday that he was absolutely going to play in this game and that he was going to be okay, and he cited the fact that he played on a torn ACL at Clemson. Um, I talked to several other people close to the situation yesterday who were absolutely 100% convinced that he was going to play in this game. Now, maybe something took a turn yesterday and it became evident that it wasn't responding uh, the way that he hoped that it would. But he got out here in pregame warm-ups. I watched him warm up, uh, and it just it wasn't going well. I mean, he walked right over to head trainer Joe Sheehan after throwing some five-yard passes. It was a somber conversation. Uh, then he tried some 10-yarders, and, uh, and it, just, it just wasn't going well. He came over, talked to Kevin, AVP, and, and GM Andrew Barry. And you could just tell that, it, you know, this wasn't one of those like high five type of things that you see after a workout when the news is good. And uh, at that point, you just knew that it was probably going to be DTR. And as we will get delve more into, um, you know, DTR was just completely overmatched by this Ravens defense, three interceptions, and it was just a, a horrible night with a 25.3 rating or something to that effect. This was so weird. Because I, I think everyone was like shocked that Deshaun didn't play. And it's weird because, you know, when we're standing out there in practice all week, like our eyes are telling us one thing, right? Normally when a player doesn't participate very much in practice and when we watch on Friday, he throws a couple passes and then goes and talks to the trainer. You're like, okay, maybe he's not going to play. But like you said, Mary Kay, every single person. Like you talk to people like on on the record, off the record, what everyone was saying he was going to play. There was no indication that he wasn't going to play. And it's this was just such a weird situation. I don't I don't know what happened. I don't know if everyone just got super optimistic and convinced that a little bit of rest would make it feel better by Sunday. But Ashley, by the time we got here, it just ended up he couldn't go for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, it just was I mean, there's nothing else to say, I think, about it other than it was unexpected because everyone who know who would know I guess I should say seems like they all thought one thing and it's was that he was going to play and especially Mary Kay when Deshaun told you on Friday like that yeah I'm gonna play and you just think about his history with injuries and that he does not miss games because of like unless it's a serious serious issue and sometimes when it is a serious issue, like when he wasn't cleared to fly back in 2018 or 19, whatever it was, because he had a bruise, was it a bruised lung or Collapsed. Whatever? Collapsed lung. He drove to Jacksonville on a bus to play in that game. Like, he's the kind of guy that does those things. So I think that, to me, 
was like the most shocking of all of it because I'm sure I wonder if his in his mind if he knew he wasn't gonna play by like you know 10:45 a.m. this morning. So okay, Mary, I want to ask this because you've reported that there's no structural damage, there's nothing to worry about there. But I think it's natural, like, to be a little concerned if, like, again, everyone's saying he's going to play. It, you know, it's, and then all of a sudden he can't. It almost makes you wonder, like, <laughs> it, how, I mean, how much rest does this thing need? I don't think this is going to be an issue going into the San Francisco game. But I don't know. At this point, it's kind of like I'll just feel better when I actually see him throwing and, you know, taking those first team reps again when we get back out there next week. Yeah, because when you think about it, that game against the San Francisco 49ers is only two weeks away. And if you have a significant shoulder injury or a significantly bruised shoulder, two weeks is not a whole lot of time to get that thing well. And the fact that he couldn't go today, I'm telling you what, I would have him undergoing so many more tests tomorrow, and he probably will. I mean, you've got to really... Get in there and not get in there, but I mean, look in there and figure out what is going on. They keep telling us it's, you know, I keep hearing it's just a, you know, it's a contusion. It's a bruise. You know, there's, you know, there's nothing torn. There's nothing, whatever, but something, something's not right in there. And I do believe that Deshaun Watson was truly himself shocked, shocked that he couldn't pull it together. He couldn't have sounded more convincing when I talked to him. At his locker, he was even showing me his, you know, range of motion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, he, he thought he was playing today. And people close to him thought he was playing today. And I'm telling you what, um, this is definitely, I think, at least something to be uh, concerned about. Not just mildly concerned, but a little more than mildly concerned. Yeah, because I'm just thinking, like... Okay, right, we can sit here and say it should be fine by the San Francisco game, but then what happens when we show up there, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday for the first practice, and, oh, look, Deshaun's not throwing again. Like, I I mean, I don't think think we're going to go through this all again. Like, if he's not throwing and he's not taking first-team reps, I I think we're – I mean, we took that pretty seriously when we saw it on Wednesday. We did a whole podcast, like, should we be concerned? And our answer was yes. Um, But – I mean, Ashley, if he's not out there throwing when we're when we're out there again, it will certainly be something to monitor and keep an eye on. It's it's concerning. I mean, especially given the team that's coming in here on October fifteenth and the currently undefeated 49ers and how good that pass rush is. That pass rush is basically the blueprint for the Browns pass pass rush. And they are probably like just as talented. Obviously, they've been like neck and neck. It's been them, the Eagles, the 49ers for like all of those key stats, it feels like these first few weeks. That is a tough, tough assignment all around. Um, And it would, you know, be really, I think, the worst possible matchup for him if something is still lingering or um, this progresses and becomes worse in some case, I guess, uh, to be taking hard hits from that defense. Okay, well, let's move on to number two. And I'll go ahead and take this one because this was going to be mine. Hopefully I'm not jumping in and stealing yours, Ashley. But I think we need to have the Dorian Thompson-Robinson discussion. Uh, so he did get the start today, his first start. He goes 19 of 36, 121 yards, was sacked four times through three interceptions, a rating of 25.3. He ran four times for 24 yards with a long of 12. So my post-game column 
was basically a, along the lines of, of going back to when the Browns made the Josh Dobbs trade, which was a really weird day because Kevin Stefanski was asked to just confirm, hey, Josh Dobbs is your backup, right? And he said unequivocally, like, like he didn't leave any room for translation. Yes, Josh Dobbs is the backup. And then a couple hours later, lo and behold, Josh Dobbs gets traded to Drew Petzing in the Arizona Cardinals. So this kind of begs the question, like, I don't know what would have happened if Josh Dobbs would have started today. I'm not certain that the Browns win this game if Josh Dobbs starts. I do think they maybe move the ball a little better, which helps the defense out a little. But and and I'm not saying this is anything against Dorian Thompson Robinson, because he he looked like a fifth round rookie today, which is what the Browns signed up for. You're going to live with some growing pains if you throw him in this situation. But. Mary Kay, does this leave you questioning the Browns' decision to just decide to hand that backup job to DTR after what was a really good preseason and, and kind of roll the dice on the fact that if he got called upon, he'd be ready to go? Yeah, I thought so at that time. Because I, you know, to go with a, a rookie, an unproven rookie who has never seen the field in such a high stakes season. That's a risk. I mean, if you don't think that you have a chance to go to the playoffs or the Super Bowl, uh, you know, then maybe you could get away with a rookie backup quarterback who is a fifth round pick and who's never played in the NFL before. Now, that's not to say that Joshua Dobbs had a whole bunch of experience either, because he played two games for Tennessee last year, you know, went 0-2, but, you know, handled himself pretty well. But he's been around for six years. You know, the game has slowed down for him. You can't throw DTR out there against the, the Ravens and then potentially the 49ers and, you know, the Steelers with Cam Haywards. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it, it really was uh, a very, very bold move to do this. And, um, and you know, I think it cost them today. You know, I think they should have had a, a, like a Jacoby Brissett on the roster. You know, if you if you think you're going to the Super Bowl and you have a running quarterback who's going to take sacks and get hit, then you have to have a really good backup plan. So I, I do think this was way too ris- risky, and I think they need to reevaluate it now. Yeah, I think they need to look at that position over the bye week and figure it out. If they really trust DTR, if they need to bring somebody else in. Because, you know, again, look, and I, I was kind of saying this about Josh Dobbs. I didn't know if Josh Dobbs was the right guy as the backup quarterback at the time. Now, he's obviously gone to Arizona and played really well, so it seems like, oh, you had your guy right there. Um, But this was a really risky decision that they made, and they didn't get, I mean, they got a 2024 fifth-round pick, which I know if you're looking down the road, maybe use that in a trade package or something, but like, who cares about that? (laughs) You know, you're, like Mary Kay said, you're trying to win now. And that backup quarterback position ended up becoming really important today, Ashley. And now, again, this isn't about DTR. He he is what he is, and there's room to grow, and I think he'll be better than this. But he just clearly wasn't ready today. I think the most concerning part was, and I said this in our video, when DTR impressed in the preseason, right? Which, Dan, I know you now have your whole thing about. I'll, I'll save that argument for you to make at the end of this podcast if you want. It was because he did not look phased, like for the most part, like he made his throws, he did not make mistakes, he even seemed to have a pretty good grasp of like the basic operational stuff, which young guys can struggle with. Today, he just looked 
I think, overwhelmed at so many different turns, which, like, it just was a reminder of when he was playing in preseason, he wasn't doing it with the Browns ones. He wasn't going against first-team defenses very often. He still hasn't had a lot of that. And I think the biggest checkmark or pro on the pro-con list of making DTR your backup was even though he's young, he looked pretty good and unfazed and not really rattled. But today he's doing things like losing the ball and almost fumbling and that, you know, forward pass to Harrison Bryant that was an illegal pass and running backwards 20 yards on like a scramble. Like that just happened so often in this game. And I think it completely stalled the offense. And I think the offense stalled for a lot of other reasons too, but it just felt like you knew what we were going to see every time that offense took the field and it was going to be stuff like that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be dynamic. Like, you don't need Deshaun Watson Jr. out there to, like, you know, do what Deshaun does. But you just need somebody. I mean, Jacoby's a great example, right? He can run the offense. He can make a throw here and there. You know, we saw how good Jacoby was on script last year, uh, how he was able to kind of get things started. And I do think, and I'm sure we're going to get to the defense, but I do think, like, if the offense would have been able to stay on the field and move the ball, I think that makes the defense better today. Oh my gosh, absolutely 100%. And I'll tell you what, I mean, to try to compare, you know, the third string Jets <laughs> to the first team Ravens, <laughs> right? I mean, there's just no comparison. And, you know, the Ravens have an excellent, excellent defensive coordinator. And they can bring multiple looks. They've got really, really good defenders on this team. That's one thing uh, that happens up here in the AFC North is plenty of good defense going on and really, really tough physical defensive players. You saw what Roquan Smith was up to out there. You saw what Jadavian Clowney, playing with his hair on fire against his former team, was up to out there. It's, it's just it's too much for a rookie to have to deal with this. And to think that your starting quarterback is going to stay healthy for 17 games, that's pretty darn optimistic, too. You've got to be ready. Yeah, I think more and more in the NFL, too, we're seeing, like, like we mentioned, Deshaun usually plays, and he plays through things. And that used to just always be, I think more and more in the NFL, we're seeing just more quarterback injuries in general, just more injuries across the board. So that backup quarterback has become super, super important, for sure. Do you have something to add there, Ashley? All right, so what? why don't you go ahead and take it here? <laughs> Point number three. Well, Dan, you tease it. So <laughs> let's talk about the defense here. And I think this is kind of a great point in that they tie together because I felt like, and I know Mary Kay mentioned this too, the tide really turned in this game in the second quarter. The Ravens scored on back-to-back drives and it went from being a 7-3 to lead, which obviously was a bit more manageable. And they got that first touchdown because they had great field position. The Ravens had great field position. They started their drive on the 10-yard line. It was a one-play drive to take the lead. But the Ravens end up scoring on back-to-back drives before halftime. And on each of those drives, there were really explosive plays that the Ravens made to kind of just march down the field. The first one of those drives, there was a 36-yard catch uh, that Mark Andrews made from Lamar Jackson. And we've talked about that play a lot because Greg Newsom comes close to making the tackle. He he kind of wrapped him up, but Mark Andrews is so big, he just kind of just stood still for a minute and waited for Greg to kind of fall off a little bit. Um, so he got a lot of yards after the catch on that play. Greg acknowledged like he needs to do better on that. Um, he had a couple of 15 and 22-yard runs. Melvin Gordon, I think, with the 22-yard run there. And the drive ends in a nice little two-yard touchdown run from Lamar Jackson. And then they come back out, 
and basically do the same thing. There were a handful of missed tackles. There were multiple explosive plays. The, the biggest one, they had the Ravens facing second and 29, and Lamar finds Zay Flowers, who we talked about all week, for a 43-yard pass, and he's able to run out of bounds, give them still enough time to, to score the touchdown, and that was Lamar to Mark Andrews. So I think watching those plays happen in real time, and I'm really curious when we rewatch them, like it felt like that's when it started to spiral, and the defense like was missing these tackles that they normally don't miss. And the Greg play is a prime example, but I think a lot of times, like I saw Taki Taki miss a handful today where guys were just kind of lunging and like trying so desperately to stop these rushers. And, you know, they multiple players mentioned gap scheme stuff too, and that being the issue. But I think almost like they were leaving their feet too much and taking bigger risks to try to hit that home run ball, since I know Jim Schwartz loves baseball metaphors so much. <laughs> And it just didn't work out. And they almost, they weren't really playing within themselves, it felt like, or within the scheme. Um, and it spiraled from there. And then when you have the offense not able to move the ball down the field, 21-3 to is a huge deficit to have to overcome at that point. I thought Lamar was awesome today. I, I know his numbers weren't, like, amazing, but I thought he played a really great game. I disagree with the Browns defenders after the game. He said they did a nice job on Lamar. But, um... I, I, what the Ravens seemed to do today was, and, and Miles got a sack today, and he certainly had an impact on the game, but um, they seemed to kind of roll Lamar away from him. And that we see teams do this. They used his aggression against him a little bit too. There was a play. He either got a penalty or made a play. I can't remember off the top of my head. But then the very next play, the Ravens kind of let him in, and they just threw the ball over his head um, to a running back for a nice little game. Little things like that. But... You know, Mary Kay, I think Lamar t- Lamar is kind of a stress test for a defense. You don't face a lot of Lamar Jacksons, but he kind of did what he wanted today. He, he was under pressure, and he had to deal with some things, but for the most part, when Lamar Jackson wanted to do something, he did it. Yeah, he did it. And the other thing about this Ravens offense is they know how to run the football. Uh, you know, they, they were, you know, raised – in running the football. And even though Todd Munkin is a little bit run averse, he's basically adopted the things that John Harbaugh likes to do. And that involves a lot of just power in your face, run them over, running. And that's what they were able to do. I mean, they had Gus Edwards, um, who he got a concussion last week, but he didn't miss any time. He ran like the wind over these guys. And then Melvin Gordon called up. Uh, You know, he did a really nice job, and so did Lamar. So I think the Browns' defense, you know, they were probably starting to believe their own press clippings a little bit, forgetting that they played against, you know, a fairly, you know, somewhat run-challenged Pittsburgh Steelers offense right now. Um, And then, um, you know, the I mean, the Bengals – they don't have the greatest running game in the world. Right. The Titans, Derrick Henry has kind of lost a step. So I don't know if they were ready for a running game like this. And I, I just have to wonder if this defense, you know, didn't start to maybe believe that it was the best defense in the NFL <laughs> and that it was the number one against this and number one against that. And, you know, they forgot to just stick with the fundamentals and, you know, and really hone in and do what they needed to do. I think they thought that they were just going to come out here and dominate like they have been. 
I do think long-term this can be a positive, right? Like this gives Jim Schwartz now a chance to go into those meeting rooms and those film rooms and yell and scream and, and get on his guys and, you know, get angry. So I, you know, I think this is a good thing for, and for a lot of the reasons you said, Mary Kay, this team, just historically, it doesn't matter who the coach is, who the coordinator is, just historically when they start to feel themselves a little bit, they run into a situation like this. This was a good kind of reset opportunity for them. I I think they'll be all right. It's a long season. I still think this defense is good. The irony here is Joe Woods was always really good against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson for whatever reason. And I think it was I think it was because they played so much zone. And that's just not what Jim Schwartz does now. Maybe they played more zone than I than I think they did. I don't know. But I thought that was – I wondered if that would be something today, if Lamar would have more success against a different scheme that, you know, the old coordinator, one of the few things he really did well was shut down Lamar Jackson in the offense. I know. You know what, though, Dan? And I'm curious if you guys agree with me. It's like to that point, like I feel so different about this defensive performance than I did when we were watching those breakdowns last year. And maybe I'm still putting, I almost knocked my water over. (laughs) Sorry. Maybe I'm still putting like too much stock in how they looked early, but like I do really think these personnel changes that they've made mean something. Like, I still think this defensive line is so much better. And and yeah, it was a bad day for them. But I I still think for a lot of it, I attribute the circumstances they were facing and some of those misses on explosive plays to why everything spiraled so quickly. And I think maybe if they can grab some of those guys down sooner – and make those tackles, then those drives don't necessarily end in touchdowns. And I do think this scheme, for whatever reason, fits this group better. But, I mean, you do have a point. Like, Joe Joe was intercepting Lamar Jackson four times in 2021. Now, they lost that game still. But I also think, too, it's important to remember in recent years, those couple of wins they've gotten against the Ravens, they played either all against or mostly against Tyler Huntley. Yeah, that's true. Now, just, I mean, the, the game started off three and out, three and out. The touchdown comes off the interception return to the 10. Uh, then another then another three and out for the Ravens. Then the fumble on the next drive. So those first, like, one, two, three, four, five, four of the first five drives were really good. Then they gave up those two touchdowns. Third quarter, a punt, and a three and out. And then the game was pretty much over at that point. So it wasn't all bad for the defense, Mary Kay. They come away looking like this was their worst game. There's no argument there. But even in their worst game, there were certainly positive moments and positive things that make you feel like this could just be a one-off. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think they're going to play much better than this, but just because they started with a couple of yeah. nice three and outs, uh, you know, can't take away the fact that they gave up their first four touchdowns at Cleveland Brown Stadium of this season and that they gave up 131 yards rushing and that they couldn't cover Mark Andrews and they couldn't stop Lamar Jackson. So I, you know, for, for as many kudos as we have given the defense, I think we have to criticize the defense for this performance. Uh, you know, we have praised the heck out of them. And I think they believed their, like I said, I think they have believed their all the praise and they bought into it. And, you know, I just think this was a game where they just have to own the fact uh, that they they did not perform well at all. Well, and also like, look, I meant like Lamar was a stress test. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan's coming to town in a couple weeks with Christian McCaffrey, and you know certainly this team should be able to get after Brock Purdy. But that's a really good team and a good offense. So to me, let's say they they play poorly again in that game. 
I don't really care what they do against Anthony Richardson yeah. at that point. Like, th- that doesn't matter to me. And some of these other, you know, when they play the Steelers again or when they play the Bears, I don't really care what they do against those teams. So to that point, Mary Kay, if we kind of get through this season and we're looking back and saying, well, the Ravens did this and the Niners did this, and it's kind of like, you know, against the really good offenses and the really good teams they struggled, then, then that's going to be concerning when they head into the postseason if they're able to get there. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to wrap up this podcast. We're each going to offer uh, one last thought on this game or something else. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, post-game edition, the Browns 28-3 losers here at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, final thoughts. I'm, I'm going to talk about the preseason, but I don't think people want to hear that off the top. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'll go. You know what? Uh, we all talked about how this bye week was way too early. <laughs> and you know what? It's not too early for Deshaun Watson. And it's not too early for Miles Garrett. It's not too early for Ethan Posick. I watched Miles Garrett walk out of, uh, the, of Cleveland Browns Stadium today with a walking boot on his left foot. I watched Ethan Posick walk out with a big, huge brace on his right knee and a crutch in his hand. And we watched Miles Garrett standing on the sidelines. And we all in the beginning thought, how are we going to do this with the bye week so early and such a long stretch to go with no break for anyone uh, until, you know, who knows when. And now uh, this bye week is just exactly what they need right now. And they need these guys to come back healthy, especially their starting quarterback and Miles too. I mean, Miles should be fine. Uh, he says he will be ready against the 49ers, uh, but it is Miles, it is Deshaun Watson who's got to get well in a hurry. So I don't disagree, but I do want to say just selfishly, like we're going to start getting <laughs> on planes and stuff at the end of October and we got a bunch of road trips. I'm still going to be bitter about this bye week come week 12, but <laughs> knock on wood, I'm not in a walking boot yet. Mm-hmm. One kind of funny moment that just sort of one of those weird post-game moments you don't ever think about, but... Um, Miles was doing his presser and he finished it. And it makes sense because he was wearing a boot. But Mike Annarello, one of the communications folks, as Miles is walking out the podium, walks up to him and hands him his shoe. <laughs> and Miles yeah. just walks out carrying his shoe. Just one of those weird, I don't know. I don't know why I thought that was so like funny, but it just kind of made me laugh. Uh, Ashley, you have a final thought? Well, I do, but it's not Browns related, but it is related to this podcast. And I promise it's still NFL related. So, as everyone who follows the NFL probably knows, the Chiefs-Jets game is getting a ton of questions <laughs> because a certain pop star who I happen to be a very big fan of, Taylor Swift, is in attendance. But, did you guys know there is another celebrity in attendance tonight? At yes. the Chiefs-Jets game? Yes. Yes. I'm, is it Ryan Gosling? No. No. No, 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 no. Wrong I, Ryan. I, no. I Reynolds. But, no. that's not who I'm talking about, Dan. Because the eldest boy, Kendall Roy, Jeremy Strong, is in attendance. The Jets tweeted out a picture of him and even said the eldest boy is in attendance. So I just thought everyone should know, once again, Kendall Roy is not getting the attention he craves. He's overshadowed. Is he looking super serious? Yes, he has solemn. a baseball cap on and aviators. You can he looked he looked very solemn. He's probably very upset about the Aaron Rodgers injury. Okay. Can, can you imagine the uh, the celebrities that would be out at these games if Aaron Rodgers was playing for them? I mean, could you imagine? It would be like celeb palooza every week. Yeah. I kind of so 
I, I always feel like football celebrity sightings are kind of, they're not as exciting as like in the NBA. Because in the NBA, they're sitting right there courtside and they're interacting with the players. And in the NFL, they're in some booth way far away. It's just not as, I don't know, there's something about it. But yeah, all right. Good for, uh, good for Kendall Roy. Uh, my final thought is this, and listen, we do this every year. And I actually think we do a good job of, of kind of tempering things that we see. But today and kind of this early part of the season just has reminded me, like, we need to not pay attention to preseason football. Like, it's just, it really, and Mary Kay, you touched on this, like, it really is so different than the real thing. And I'm, it's not just the Browns. Like, I'm, we came out for the preseason and people were, like, picking the Steelers to win the North because they scored a bunch of touchdowns in the preseason. And now their offense is back to being what we thought it might be. So, like... DTR looked great in the preseason, and he struggled when the real bullets started flying here today. You know, the Elijah Moore thing has not taken off yet um, after it looked so good in that one series against Washington. So the preseason is really hard. Like, of course, we're going to make a big deal out of how we saw them use Elijah Moore because that was new and it was exciting. And it's like and we've seen that they've tried to do that in the regular season. So we were certainly right to make a story out of that and make that a big deal. But it's just too hard to project success out of the preseason. And again, I think we've done a good job on this podcast and when we write about it of like tempering kind of what we're seeing and kind of putting that asterisk next to it sometimes. But this just reminded me like preseason is weird. So we shouldn't make too many huge judgments off of that. You're absolutely right about that. I need to back up for one quick second though. When I was rolling through all the guys that needed the bye week, I forgot to mention the guy that burned his face hand last night on Friday Friday night by lighting a fire pit. And we saw him in the locker room and the poor guy does not look good at all. So good for David Njoku that it wasn't much more serious. Uh, You know, I know he's grateful uh, that he's okay, but, um, we forgot to mention him in terms of who needs a bye week. Yeah, and and he played and played pretty well, yeah, too. Yeah, he did. He really did. He made some big, gutsy catches over the middle to convert third downs. Good for him. Courageous performance by him. Um, as far as the preseason is concerned, you're right, Dan. It's fool's gold. I've been watching <laughs> stupid preseason for 30 years, and it doesn't mean anything. And fans get so caught up. You know, there's always the receiver of the – the receiver du jour mm-hmm. of the week. And, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's always the backup quarterback that everybody falls in love with. But you know what? I mean, yeah, you, you just have to get a cold compress, <laughs> put it on your forehead, lay down for a few minutes, and let the moment pass. <laughs> I, I tweeted out, I forgot when it was, uh, but at some point I came across a clip from when the Browns had their 4-0 and preseason, and somebody basically wrote on NFL.com, like, this has to mean good things. The Browns certainly can't go whatever one and fifteen again, and whatever they were <laughs> they saying, like, there's no way, no, they Spoiler didn't go alert. one and fifteen again. <laughs> they went zero and sixteen. So, like again, when you're in the moment, you're covering these games, you're covering these practices and things. Of course, it's it's what you're going to talk about. It's what you're going to write about. But it's just that reminder that like the preseason is really dangerous to make big sweeping. Uh, decisions or or whatever, big sweeping predictions about what you think is going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no replacing or replicating, I should say, an NFL regular season. Like, there's just not in so many aspects. And particularly with, I think, the speed of the game, the like the, the talent of the players that are out there, um, and just the environment of it. It's a totally different animal. And, like, DTR, like, yes, he's a rookie quarterback, but... He's a rookie quarterback who started a ton of games at a power five school for five years. Like, it's not like he hasn't played in crazy environments before, but it is totally different than college. It is very rare, I think, that those guys come out and immediately succeed and aren't rattled or overwhelmed. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think you're I think you're right. Like, it's it's so hard to judge from those preseason games because what we're not seeing what we're seeing out there is not real. Like Mary Kay said, it's just not real. I, will, I mean, there are some, like Dewan Jones seems to have yeah. been pretty good. He was pretty good in the preseason. But again, it's just, it's so, they're not game planning. They're not spending their weeks getting ready for you. Um, it's it's a different animal out here. And I think today was one of those reminders. Who You didn't turn on this podcast thinking you were going to get strong thoughts on preseason football. And or yet, strong thoughts on Jeremy Strong, for that matter. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yet, here we are. So the Browns losers, uh, 28-3 to three to the Ravens here at home. They are 2-2 two two there going into their bye week. Uh, become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page for texting a newsletter. Uh, get, get behind that paywall at Cleveland.com slash Browns. Again, it's that blue banner. Find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com for that. And then also subscribe to our Instagram, Orange and Brown Talk, to, uh, to follow us along there. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.